Thursday, November 2nd, and this is the 1909 State News' weekly podcast featuring our reporters talking about the news. I'm your host, Alex Walters. This week, I'm joined by fellow administration reporter Theo Shear to talk about a week of friction at MSU's Board of Trustees. It started last Sunday night with a letter making wide-ranging, very serious allegations against the board's chair. It accused her of bullying colleagues, interfering in legal disputes, victim-blaming a sexual harassment survivor, and even attempting to keep word of her meddling out of an official report about the February campus shooting. And what followed was a lot. I can't put it into a catchy little summary. But today on the 1909, we're going to take the whole episode to break it all down. We'll tell you what the letter alleged the board chair did, what she said in response, what we found in our reporting that contextualized or corroborated or challenged the allegations, and what's already been done or could be done going forward about any of this. Um, so with that, I should introduce my guest and someone who's been reporting on this all week with me. Theo, do you want to say hi? Yeah. Hey, Alex. I mean, it's great to be back on the 1909. Yeah, you're like a regular. Yeah, yeah, I am. I am. And I should, you know, just as a disclaimer for the audience, spoil the magic just a little bit. Um, it's Tuesday. We're recording this. You're hearing this Thursday yes. at the absolute soonest. Um, so if anything happens between now and then, it's not going to be in the show. Um, but we will be covering it. We will. I'd knock on wood, but it sounds bad with the mics. So anyhow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's great to be here. Um, it was definitely a hectic week for the both of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, uh, was it Sunday evening? Yes. You broke the news. You got a letter from board chair uh, Brianna Scott. Do you want to tell us what that was all about? We did. So, you know, last weekend, uh, Brianna Scott, who's uh, one of the members of the MSU's board, it's an elected board, elected statewide in partisan races, um, sent a letter to the board, and, you know, I got a copy of it that night, and we wrote a story about it. And, you know, we'll get into specific allegations, but sort of in, like, the broadest view, it paints a picture of a fractured and contentious board with Rima Vassar, who's the board's chair, uh, orchestrating major university decisions without the knowledge or consent of, you know, other board members or administrators like the interim president. Uh, And it gives real stakes to that by talking about these, you know, legal entanglements and public controversies that have come out of that. And and it seems to jump from scandal to scandal. All these MSU controversies that you previously know, that we've previously reported on, you know, the business dean Gupta, his controversial removal, the Nasser documents, the rapid turnover of all these presidents, uh, you know, this seemingly looming legal battle battle over the firing of Mel Tucker for those sexual harassment claims. Uh, all these scandals that you know about, it seems to paint this picture of actually behind the scenes. Vassar's had a much larger role than was previously publicly understood. And it ties a lot of that meddling to the board's code of conduct. And, you know, Scott's argument in the letter is that because she's violated that code of conduct, she should resign, and if not, she should be removed. Um, and we'll go through the allegations right now. So the first one, uh, Scott accuses Vassar of bullying interim president Teresa Woodruff uh, and you know usurping her authority you know and this is uh, both interpersonal things Scott says that Vassar demanded Woodruff's speaking schedule and insisted on being added to every single event so that she could also speak there Um, and it also has to do with these sort of university decisions that are being made Uh, you know with Vassar the board does governance right they're supposed to oversee the president they select the president and they take sort of this big picture look over the university Scott's saying that what Vassar's doing day-to-day, meeting with, you know, campus figures, meeting with figures outside of campus and local government and other universities and negotiating these partnerships, that things like that are um, sort of meddling in the administration's business. And she thinks that that has created a real danger. Um, You know, and the next allegation, she accuses Vassar of trying to get a report that was released last week that uh, kind of goes through MSU's handling of the mass shooting on campus in February. 
uh, she accuses Vassar of trying to get word of a board member's meddling out of it, saying that she told consultants to soften language, saying that a board member got too involved outside of their expertise in the handling. Um, she accuses Vassar of violating ethics policies by flying on a donor's private jet to the New York March Madness tournament last year. She says that she um, you know, accepted sort of a free trip. Everyone else flew. We've seen travel, travel documents that show that everyone else flew commercial for reimbursement with the university, whereas she thinks Vassar created a conflict of interest by accepting something of great value from a donor. Um, and then in, in the Gupta matter, which I've now said a couple times in the 1909, I'm going to explain in a future episode. I haven't yet. I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, this matter of this business dean who was controversially removed last year over his handling of sexual uh, assault by a subordinate, um, you know, now there has been this outside investigation into the matter and a lawsuit by Gupta who's saying he was wrongly fired in part of this sort of presidential succession plot by the interim president. Um, Scott's accusing Vassar of overstepping and meddling both in releasing that interim, that uh, outside investigation earlier than she should have, uh, at least in Scott's opinion, and also accuses her of overstepping and trying to negotiate a settlement to this lawsuit um, without the guidance of the administration. And Scott says that you know the administrators who were being sued said that, that was actually really detrimental to their settlement talks. Um, so she sort of accuses her of overstepping and violating some board policies there. Um, and then there's the matter of these Nasser documents. It's this now infamous set of about 6,000 documents that MSU's board has for years refused to release to the attorney general so she can investigate you know, how MSU allowed you know, Larry Nasser to sexually abuse so many women on this campus for so long. Um, in April, uh, the attorney general sent a letter to MSU's board asking for them again. Uh, and at first it was sort of a mystery of you know, why is the attorney general making this an issue again? And then it came out, you know, the attorney general told us at the state news that Vassar had actually gone to her and said, I've got the votes to release them, you just send me the letter and I'll do it. Um, Scott's saying in this letter, Vassar never discussed that with the board. She didn't have the votes, and she feels like she um, kind of uh, illegitimately um, pulled this issue up that was sort of a, had been put to bed by doing that when the board had never discussed it. Um, and we'll get into the details of that more, because I think that's one of the more complicated allegations that's very messy. Um, and then there's the matter of the Brenda Tracy leak investigation. So... Um, Brenda Tracy, she's a prominent rape survivor and advocate. She was consulting for MSU's football team a couple years ago when she says that, uh, and she's since successfully proved through MSU's you know, investigatory process that Mel Tucker sexually harassed her. Um, but you know, she's publicly come forward and she said the only reason she did so is because someone at MSU leaked her name to the press. Um, and in her letter, there's now an ongoing investigation at MSU into who did that leak. Uh, Scott is saying that Vassar is refusing to comply with that um, investigation and that she thinks it's going to be inconclusive because Vassar won't turn over her phone. Um, another issue there is that Scott is accusing Vassar of sort of victim blaming Brenda Tracy in these text messages with a former trustee, Pat O'Keefe, where Vassar placed a heart on a text where O'Keefe is explaining all the ways he feels that Tracy could be best discredited. Um, and then, you know, he's saying you can fire the president over this, the general counsel, you can discredit her. And then Vassar sends a text saying, you know, uh, call me now. And so Scott's saying that she's engaging in that victim blaming by being a part of that. Um, only a couple more, I swear. Um, she also, Vassar, appeared in an ad with former trustee Brian Masalam for his wealth management firm. Uh, and you can take a look at the ad. I think we have it on our site in the story. Um, but, you know, she's sitting next to Masalam, basically kind of endorsing his firm as board chair, 
and there's this message that you know that a Spartan's greatest strength is the warrior next to her, and then Masalam is next to her with this warrior helmet. Um, I guess there's an implication that like, you know your wealth is protected by. It, it, take a look at the ad. It's complicated. Anyway, Scott's just saying you know the chair of MSU's board shouldn't be appearing in advertisements for private businesses. Um, yeah, and so those are the allegations that she levels in this letter that was released Sunday night. That's a lot. Um, and it took about a day for Vassar to respond. And Theo, you know, you got that response. Mm -hmm. You reported on it. Do you want to take us through um, sort of what Vassar said in response? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a lot to respond to. It's a seven-page letter, that original um, letter from Tracy. Or, I'm sorry, from Scott. Mm -hmm. um, but she, she addressed uh, about all of, of these accusations and really disputed most things. Uh, first of all, with that that after action review of, of MSU's response to the shooting, um, she said Vassar said it was another tr uh, another trustee who raised concerns about the language of that that shooting, um, and then it was it was it was rightfully so that they did so. Um, so she's saying that it wasn't her who asked that it was for that her. review to be softened, but it's fine. Exactly. She she defended whoever this this trustee she claims actually trustee. did it. Yeah, she didn't say who, mm -hmm. um, but she defends that, saying it was it was appropriate to engage uh, the firm on the contents of the report, hmm. um, particularly around recommendations for their roles yeah. during the crisis. So I, I guess another big part of that was that whole language of, of bullying. Um, Vassar said that she she quote she she rejects the coded language hmm. um, in there. And she's sort of uh, hinting towards, I guess, uh, kind of, kind of a, a racialized, you know, uh, view of, mm. of this. With, and we with should the say, bowling. you know, Rima Vassar is mm -hmm. the first black woman to be elected chair of MSU's board. Scott's also a black woman. Mm -hmm. um, but she has said, you know, in numerous public statements that she feels this is a, a racially motivated attack. You know, Absolutely. Yep. Uh, and that's the same thing. Yeah. For, for, for Woodruff, she's saying, you know, that's. I'm not a bully, um, and, and I think at, at the board of trustees meeting, not to get too far ahead here, but she said, you know, that's just I'm 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 confident, and that's mm. how I am. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah, she she basically just denied everything uh, in regards to her and Woodruff, saying none of the assertions made regarding me and the interim president are true. Yeah, and I should say, you know, because this whole language of bullying, it is it, it it's coded language. It's sort of confusing in the abstract. Uh, we've found in our reporting a couple sort of specific examples that might put it into context. Uh, you know, you can decide whether you think it's bullying, I guess. Um, but yeah, so one example that was sent my way was this donor dinner last Friday night. And it's one of these events that Vassar has spoken at. And it was a, a, an event for donors held at Woodruff's house, Cowell's house. And in this email exchange that we've obtained and People in Advancement, which is the office that handles donor relations that we've talked to, Vassar attempted to keep Woodruff out of this, trying to you know force her out of this dinner at her own house. Um, and then another example, not so much of the bullying, but of the kind of usurping, um, the overstepping, is this meeting in July that we've uh, reported on pretty extensively, where Vassar, along with uh, Trustee Deno and the Executive Vice President of Health Sciences, Norm Bachamp, meet with leadership from the city of Lansing. And Andy Shore, the mayor of Lansing, has described it to us as these wide-ranging discussions about, you know, uh, real estate investment and really MSU's whole presence downtown, uh, and that Woodruff was, and that meeting was done without Woodruff's knowledge um, or consent. And Woodruff hasn't really weighed in on whether she felt bullied by these incidents. She has said that work under Vassar has been challenging. I'm quoting her there. Challenging is her word. Um, 
But yeah, so that, again, is a little bit unclear. But Theo, I'll let you get into the rest of the responses. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so a big part of that was um, her, her relations with donors, uh, specifically about private, private tra uh, travel. Again, Scott accuses her of um, traveling with donors to you know MSU March Madness games, for example. Um, but Vassar, she said that her trip didn't cost the university anything. Um, and then she was invited. It was a friend that also was a donor. Hmm. Um, invited her to the basketball game, and, and she didn't put that bill on the university. And she sort of turns this into, you know, a kind of, you know, look look what I did. I didn't cost the university for, for these travel costs. Uh, I see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and again with that relationship with with other outside donors, she appeared in in an ad as, as Scott mm -hmm. mentioned. Um, she didn't address that in her in her uh, response, but um, she did address the the Tracy investigation, the investigation into who allegedly leaked the identity the identity of the rape survivor and advocate Brenda Tracy. Mm -hmm. um, again, Scott claimed that Vassar didn't uh, give up her phone for that investigation. Um, Vassar said that actually no no uh, trustees have done that so far. It's not just her, and um, that's part of an ongoing discussion between the board and the firm that's conducting the investigation, this whole, you know, phone yeah. giving up. And I think that, you know, there was a lot of confusion last week around that. We talked to someone close to the board who, you know, uh, had to speak anonymously because they couldn't talk about this ongoing investigation uh, with their name per se. Um, but they said that, you know, one trustee had already agreed to have their phone reviewed, but investigators just hadn't. So they had agreed, but they haven't. investigators hadn't gone through with it. Some other trustees mm -hmm. hadn't had their interviews yet, that it was this whole kind of complicated. It was, it was much more complicated yeah. than one trustee refusing or everyone refusing. But then at the board meeting on Friday, um, Vassar said that, you know, in the middle of last week on Wednesday and Thursday, they had discussions and basically every trustee agreed to turn over their phones. We haven't confirmed that. Vassar said that there would be documents that would show that. We're still waiting on those. Um, but that matter seems to be settled at this point. It um, right. feels like we'll see that when we get those documents down the line. But anyway, Theo, go on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the other part of that whole situation was these texts that Scott uh, described as victim blaming mm -hmm. um, between Vassar and and Pat O'Keefe. He's a former trustee. Um, Vassar says that she did not um, interact with with the texts at all. That that, that was one sided. That it was just Pat O'Keefe, you know, texting her, saying some things that are a little bit questionable about uh, Brenda Tracy. And that, and that's one where we, you know, she says she describes yeah. them as completely one sided with no input in her mm -hmm. letter. Uh, we have a copy of the text. We've gotten them through Freedom of Information Act request, uh, and you know that, that's not true. We've seen the text. You know, she um, hearted a message in which, like you know, on the iPhone, when you'll hold down on a text and press the heart, in a message where Pat O'Keefe is describing different ways that he believes Tracy could be discredited and sort of like mm -hmm. um, how her allegations could be twisted. Um, and, and then, you know, at the end of the conversation, after all this, Vassar texts him, "I need to talk to you." And then, uh, presumably, I guess they have a phone call. That's not documented in the text. They talk about, you know. There's a text where he's like, one second, like, you know, I'll call you back in a second. Um, but it's definitely not one-sided. That that one we can kind of for sure say we've seen the text, and that's not an accurate description. Right, right. Uh, another big one was the Nasser documents, mm -hmm. as you said. Um, while Scott claimed that Vassar tried to, again, coordinate this release of the, the documents with the attorney general, but it just sort of, you know, did not work out and there's mm -hmm. mis miscommunication. 
uh, Vassar is saying that it was actually Scott who um, interfered with her attempt to release the documents. Yeah, so Va- Vassar says, you know, if I remember correctly, that Scott comes to them after the Attorney General sends a letter and says to the board, actually, the AG doesn't even want these documents. Um, and that, you know, Scott has publicly said that that didn't happen. And, and this is a matter that, you know, I think is still publicly being litigated, this, like, what exactly happened with the board with the Nasser documents. Um, you know, there's been talk of them having a special meeting in the next couple weeks to have a vote on the release. So I don't know how much further we want to get into this. This is definitely one of the messier ones and ones that I would yeah. pe- point people to statenews.com just because I don't know if in this conversation we're going to get through all of that. So I'll let you move on from that one, Theo. That's sort of a that is a more complicated one. As for the Gupta lawsuit, that was, again, the lawsuit into the, the former business dean who was fired for um, failing to uh, report a case of sexual misconduct. She, she claims that um, she didn't try to single-handedly settle the lawsuit, uh, like Scott said, and, and she says that the entire board is still engaged in the lawsuit. Um, and, and she criticized Scott for sharing in her letter what she said was was more confidential information about about that. And the timeline's interesting here too because you know these two instances that Scott's talking about, um, Vassar trying to settle the suit um, in January mm-hmm. of 2023, and then releasing this investigation in March 2023. Um, neither of those times in January there wasn't even a lawsuit yet. He hadn't filed his suit until February. Um, and so it's interesting that those conversations, if they were occurring, were occurring before then. And, you know, in March, when Scott is saying that Vassar was um, releasing the independent investigation at a time when the board was being sued, he had not added the board as defendants yet at that time. So it seems like either they were one step ahead or there's a miscommunication about the timeline. Um, yeah, if you can go on, Theo. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, she also said that um, that, that that investigation, a big problem that Scott mentioned was that it uh, was allegedly released without the consent of, of the rest of the board. That wasn't really something they agreed to do. Vassar says that it was actually released after a majority of the board voted to do so. Mm-hmm. I think that's a one where you know people are being careful with their words because mm-hmm. you know the board did vote in February to release this in, independent investigation into the Gupta matter. And then, you know, Scott is saying that that decision made in March to actually um, release it at that time in its current state, that, that wasn't with the consent of the full board. Vassar's saying they did affirm that. You know, we those are attorney-client privilege discussions. I have not been able to get many records about them. But we do have an email from that day where Vassar is saying, you know, we're going to release this tonight. And um, Renee Kanaki Jefferson, another one of the trustees, voices a concern. And she says, you know, I'm quoting from the email now, as you know, Gupta has now sued the university. In addition, we now have guidance from not only our general counsel, but also our outside counsel advising, and then the advice is redacted. Um, mm-hmm. Scott has said that that advice was to not release the report. So again, you know, we don't know exactly what happened in right. these very closed meetings that we do not get to be a part of, sadly. Um, but it, it does seem that um, there was disagreement that day about releasing this investigation. Yeah, several of these claims were still were still working out. They're still a little bit unclear, um, but I, I believe that's all the the claims mm-hmm. that Vassar responded well, to. Well, and I think you know when we talk about this being unclear, there what we're headed to is that, and you reported this Monday night, 
that because so much of this is happening in these you know private meetings in these closed rooms where and there's a lot of subjectivity too about like what exactly is bullying what constitutes a conflict of interest um, Dan Kelly another trustee who chairs the committee on audit risk compliance said you know we're gonna do an investigation we're gonna hire an outside firm and they're gonna figure out you know look at uh, not just Vassar but all the board members has anybody in any of these instances violated the code of conduct and presumably put together a report that you know he said will be released we're not sure exactly what that looks like yet um, but yeah but as if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking you know wow they really have no idea what's going on I think we have somewhat of an idea but really we have no idea what's going on and so you know this, this investigation I think will hopefully provide some clarity to people who are wondering what all is going on but you know that's where we're at now that's a lot of she said one thing she said another thing we at the state news have kind of half of a thing that seems to cooperate or challenge one or the other of those things um but what about you know people who are concerned about these allegations concerned about just all of this sort of fighting and what's been described as dysfunction on the board what can happen can trustees remove each other can someone else remove a trustee you've done some great reporting on this theo tell us what's going to happen yeah, well, again, I think it, it does go back to the investigation. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are waiting for that to be released, including um, the Michigan governor, Gretchen Whitmer. Uh, so she, as a governor, she has the power to remove a, a board chair mm-hmm. um, or any um, elected uh, any elected uh, public official. Uh, and part of that power uh, it involves looking for any accusations of, of misconduct on their part. Um, I, I need to pull up exactly what, um, what's the criteria for that, but I believe it's just neglect of duty is, is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and she does have sort of these allegations now from yeah. Scott's letter. Um, and, and, and she's released statements saying, you know, I'm not taking a side on this yet until I, I see the evidence, but I'm very concerned about it um, and I'm watching the situation. So if she does decide to remove Vassar, um, again, we're, we're thinking that she's um, waiting for more evidence to come out before she does make a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but if she does decide to do so, uh, she would first have to um, notify her of, of that uh, and then hold a, a hearing. That's typically what happens when this, this, this law, this Michigan law is utilized, which it, it rarely is. Uh, but when it is, uh, there's typically a, a meeting held, um, a hearing held, in which, in this case, Vassar would have a chance to sort of respond to some of the accusations, et cetera. And then it's really all, this this whole process is all up to the governor. Mm. Uh, it would be all up for her to decide whether that response was sufficient, whether she's going to proceed with the removal of her, um, and, and everything. But this is a very rare case, though. This is really never, I mean, typically when this happens, um, uh, the, the the person in question resigns before they actually get to be removed by yeah, the governor. Yeah, it's really more of, I think, sort of a threat that kind of hangs over exactly. officials' head. That I mean, you talked to one expert who was a previous governor's counsel who's, you know, studied a lot of this, and he, I think, couldn't think of a, a single example where it was actually Yeah, like, under the current the Michigan Const- Constitution, uh, he couldn't think of removal one. proceeding. Yep, they've all either resigned or, um, you know, they've actually been found of criminal conduct, and then mm. they are fired by the university. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Could be history. It could be history. Wow. It's all up to, to Whitmer. Yeah. And, you know, in the meantime, there's also, you know, while Vassar's on the board, she is currently the chair, which, you know, allows her to set the agenda. She represents the board to the public. It's a powerful position. And, you know, Scott did talk 
she told me last week that um, she was hoping to remove Vassar as chair just in the in the meantime, so she would just be sort of a regular board member, and then it would go to the next most senior member of the board, who's Dan Kelly. Um, there was not an attempt to do that at Friday's board meeting. Um, so some trustees, uh, Kelly and Jefferson, had said that you know before they necessarily get there, they again want to see the results of this uh, audit risk compliance investigation, which I think if you're hearing sort of a recurring theme here, that everyone's sort of waiting on this mm -hmm. audit risk compliance investigation before anything else happens. Um, but, you know, and Kelly didn't necessarily say anything specific about the allegations. I should say Trustee Jefferson did kind of go down the list of the letter and say that she either um, didn't know anything that would dispute any of the allegations or had firsthand knowledge that would collaborate each of them. Um, and so, you know, that seems to be some measure of support, but, you know, it wasn't like, I'm going to vote to remove Rima Vassar. It was very much like, let's right. wait for this investigation, let's get all the evidence, and then let's do it. So I think that's kind of where we're at, right? I mean, we're right. And well, that being said, I believe Byram mentioned at that meeting that they did, she did propose um, adding uh, adding a section to the meeting mm -hmm. where where they could have the opportunity to vote to remove her. But in order to add something like that to an agenda, uh, they would need three votes yes. of, of trustees. But uh, Byram said they failed to get those. Yeah, votes. and that's something that Scott had said to me last week is that like she feels like somewhere down the line she has the six votes she would need to remove Vassar from the board. But the hurdle of you know getting three people to put that on the agenda for a vote that they feel could potentially fail could um, go either way. She felt wasn't going to be there by Friday, and you know, um, and that's what we saw play out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I guess that's where we're at after a week of um, a lot, and it's probably a lot to listen to, too. But uh, thank you for sticking with us if you're here this long. Um, so yeah, so that's our show. I think that's all we have for this week. Uh, I'll be back next Thursday with more. Uh, until then, the stories we discussed, plenty more, everything else that happens, way more detail. It's all available at statenews.com. Thank you to our incredible podcast director, Anthony Brinson, my guest, Theo, for once again lending us his time and his voice and his thoughts. Thank you. Uh, and most of all, thank you for listening. For the 1909, I'm Alex Walters.